Tonight is an exciting night. This is actually one of the three great festivals of the Christian church year. This is the Sunday or the weekend that is on par with Easter and Christmas. And we celebrate this weekend and what God is doing. And we celebrate the ways that God has always been active in his church and the ways that he continues to be. But sometimes it's hard for us to see. And we human beings are full of contradictions. Because on the one hand, we long to see God. On the one hand, we long to see God do marvelous and miraculous things. On the other hand, we don't want God messing with us at all. And think of that contradiction for a second. Now think of the times when you see it most evident. When people ask the question, what's God doing? Or where is God? You see, we want God to undo the really bad things of the world. We read the news. We see the headlines. We hear the stories. We want God to intervene. We want God to stop. We want God to to stop human beings from doing those things that we have the propensity to do. We want to see people stop. We want to see God stop people from hurting each other. What's God doing here? Why won't he stop it? Why won't he intervene? And then that contradiction sets in. We say, but I don't want God intervening in my life too much. I I don't want him to overcome those things in my life that I really enjoy, even though they might be against his law. I, I don't want God coming into my life and undoing things that I really enjoy doing. I don't want God speaking law to my my comfort or to my convenience or to my privilege. I don't want God speaking to me in that way. I don't want God telling me that I have to do something that I don't want to do or to stop doing something that I do want to do. I, I want God to intervene in the world and the really bad stuff, but not in my life. It's a contradiction. It's a contradiction which we live every single day as sinners. Every single day of wanting and yearning to see God, and yet every single day wanting to push God away so that we can have our own way with the world. So how do we overcome that? Or more importantly, how is that overcome in us? It starts by recognizing the work of God the Holy Spirit. It starts by by having a different perspective, a perspective that says, God, whatever you are doing, allow me to see. Allow me to have the eyes that you have for the world. Allow me to see your activity in all things. And dear Christians, I believe that we are meant to see God's activity in all things not just in the ones that seem really big. In fact, more often we will see God in the small things. More often we will see God in the ordinary things, in the plain things, in the things that happen and don't happen every single day. And yet we need to look for God not only in those, but in the big things as well. And when the big things don't appear, we need to turn back to the little things and say, God is still here. God is still at work. Lord, show me what you're doing. If we're going to change our perspective, we would do well to begin with our text from Acts chapter 2. We would do well to look to the Pentecost event. And remember what happens in the Pentecost event. Remember that it starts with a miracle. 
right? A miracle which, which takes the form of wind that rushes into the house, a mighty rushing wind, it says, almost seemingly to chase away all the rest of the air in the house. And as this mighty rushing wind fills the entire house, suddenly comes in fire. Now, normally that would be a very bad thing. But remember that God has this tendency to show up in fire that doesn't consume. He had done it before with a man named Moses. I'll go see that bush, Moses said. That burning bush, the one that's on fire and yet isn't burned up, right? The famous non-burning, burning bush. And the same happens here at Pentecost as God shows up in flames that come and rest light on each one of them. And as this flame lights on them, it doesn't seem to disturb them at all. Now, this has never happened to me. Every time that I've had flame close to me, I felt it. And yet it seems that they're undisturbed by it. Undisturbed because something else is happening in them. God the Holy Spirit is at work. God the Holy Spirit is at work filling them and creating utterance, giving them speech. And as they speak, they're speaking in languages that they don't know. And what's amazing is that these languages aren't only the miracle of speaking, but also the miracle of hearing. And every time it comes to Pentecost, I feel the need to remind us or to be reminded that we should count the amount of languages and we should be reminded of how many people are speaking. You see, if you count them, there are over 15 languages being spoken, but there's a problem. There are only 11 speakers. Now, I'm not an expert in math, but I know that those two numbers aren't equal. You see, it's not only a miracle of speaking languages that they hadn't learned, it's also a miracle of God the Holy Spirit interpreting them in each one so that they hear in their own native tongue, so that they hear the astonishing things of what God is doing. And so we have here this amazing, miraculous event of a rushing wind that fills a house, of fire that comes in and lights on them but doesn't consume them, and of speech that they are, or of languages that they are speaking that they have never learned, and of hearing from the believers who are there. And we listen to this and we say, see, God's in the big stuff, in the spectacular moments, the stuff we've otherwise not experienced. But is that it? Is that the real miracle here? Is that the real miracle of Pentecost? No. In fact, in some ways, in some ways, that's a sideshow, a distraction. Because what God is really doing here is undoing all of these effects of sin. And it starts with the 11 speakers themselves. It starts with the one who's numbered among them, that guy named Peter. Remember, this is now 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And remember how long it took them to get out of that upper room, the upper room where they were gathered. Do you remember what the doors were like in that upper room? They were locked. Why? because they were filled with fear. When you came tonight, how angry would you have been if you came to the doors and found them locked? It was commonplace for the early church. They were filled with fear. And yet God appeared among them. And God, the Holy Spirit, 
worked in their hearts so that now they're no longer locked in a room for fear of those on the outside. On the contrary, they're now filled with God, the Holy Spirit, and not only are the doors unlocked, but they're boldly and overtly giving testimony to anyone who will listen. That, brothers and sisters, is a miracle. It's a transformation, a changed heart in these individuals who are formerly afraid, who are now filled and emboldened by God the Holy Spirit. But not only that, but also the people who hear. These people who were devout, God-fearing Jews, but had yet to be completed in their faith. The people who were not, who understood not, who now suddenly, through the word that was spoken to them, became and understood the ones that would be spoken of as Peter would write later on, you who are not a people have become a people. You who had not been shown mercy now have been shown mercy. This, brothers and sisters, is a miracle. A miracle of blessing from God, of invitation into the kingdom, of unity and fellowship in the name of Jesus. And it all happened through a word which was spoken and a word which was heard. And the word was Jesus. They heard the message of what God had done. His mighty works. Works, by the way, that didn't seem so mighty at the time, did they? Because as you follow through with Peter's sermon, you begin to understand the mighty work of God of which he spoke. That of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Death on a cross doesn't sound very miraculous. And yet when you remember why he died, you see there the true work of God. You see there a God who is active in mighty ways in the world. You see there a God who is undoing sin, dying for his creation, that this is what Jesus Christ has done. Then raised again on the third day, a miracle of miracles, I grant you. With the assurance that as he has triumphed over sin and death, so also shall we. This, brothers and sisters, is the word that was spoken and the word that was heard. Salvation, Peter said, is found in no one else. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the miracle. Forgiveness earned, paradise opened, his people invited. That's the miracle. Don't get lost in the wind and the fire, but remember the God behind them, the God who is working in these things and recognize what God is doing through them. As I said at the beginning of worship, this is the birthday of the church. Pentecost is a celebration of those now gathered in the name of Jesus who have been invited by the Holy Spirit, and this is the beginning of it. Believers gathered together to hear the word and to be transformed by it. When we hear it this way, it seems pretty miraculous. But somehow, 2,000 years later, sometimes we lose its wonder. We lose its awe. We forget just how amazing God's work is. And so maybe we should look harder. Maybe we should look harder at God's activity in the church Maybe we should look harder at what God is doing through the simple things and the ways that we have gathered here tonight. I did a wedding on Friday night 
wedding of Alicia Haymaker and Adam Brown. Alicia, she leads our children's choir over at our Fisher site. And in the reception hall, the reception time, as usually happens, people come up and talk to the preacher. Well, I had one guy who came up to me, and through tears, he told me how much he loved his church. And he, and he said, it's, it's amazing. It's not a big church. It's, it's in the eastern side of Indiana. And there's all sorts of different people who are there, business people and farmers. They all come to church. And our pastor preaches right from the Bible. And we all gather around the name of Jesus. And we're happy to see each other. And he was wheelchair-bound. And he said, they even accept a guy like me. And he said these things almost through tears. And I thought to myself, at some point he's going to get to the spectacular part of the story and what the church does, right? And the answer is, yeah, he already had. That which we call ordinary, plain, coming together as believers around the word, believing and trusting what Jesus Christ has done, being united with others with whom we otherwise might not share a walk, but now we are, and being united no matter what our differences are. That's the miracle of God, and brothers and sisters, we ought to see it that way and be astonished by it every day, marveling, marveling because God is at work in his church, marveling because this is God's activity, community, and forgiveness, and word, marveling because this is God's activity, inviting us to invite others. And so don't be surprised if the fellowship that we see in the church seems to be imitated by other organizations in the world. We shouldn't be surprised that others are trying to imitate the good that the church intends to do because it is good and it is truly miraculous and yet it is different among us. It is different even when it doesn't seem so. It's different. It's, we might say, why church? It's because that which is different is the name of Jesus. It's because here in the church are the promises of life and salvation offered. In fact, only here in the church, only in the declaration of the name of Jesus, are life and salvation offered. Only here is the promise of God's forgiveness. Only here is God's yes in Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, that is pretty spectacular. And it happens every time we come and gather around word and sacrament, around these otherwise ordinary things where God is present. And when God is present, brothers and sisters, when God is present, amazing things happen. And so I I will contend with anyone who will challenge me. I will contend with anyone who would oppose me on this. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. Needs the church at its best because the church is at its best when it's expectant and when it's engaging and when it's emboldened by the Holy Spirit. The church is at its best when we are taking Pentecost out into the world, not just looking for tongues of fire and blazing winds, not just looking for things that blow people away and signs in the heavens, not just looking for spectacular things, but engaging in the ordinary ones. Miracles of speaking and hearing. 
And sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's us that need to do the listening. Listening to the brokenness of the world. Listening to the pain which is around us. Listening so that we might allow God's Holy Spirit to work in us. And though, brothers and sisters, it won't always seem like miracles, there will be the miracle of speaking and hearing. And, and though you might sit here and say, but I don't know what to say, ask yourself, did the 11, did the 11 apostles know the 15 languages that they were going to speak? Or did they allow God's Holy Spirit to speak through them? Was their grammar and syntax and vocabulary perfect? Maybe, or maybe not. But when God gave them opportunity, they spoke. And what about all those who received the word, all of those who heard it? You think the disciples said, oh, they'll never listen to us? Maybe, but they will listen to God the Holy Spirit. And as people of peace, speak in love. As people of peace, declare God's word. We have the assurance from the scriptures that God's word will not return void, but that God, the Holy Spirit, will be active in ways which we will take note. It will be active in ways of which we will say, this is truly amazing, as God still transforms lives. You see, brothers and sisters, there are still miracles happening all around us. The same miracles that God has always been doing. Because he is seeking and saving that which was lost. He is calling, gathering, and enlightening. He is bringing people into his kingdom. And he is doing it through us. What's God doing here? He's transforming us. He's renewing us. He's emboldening us so that we might be involved in his activity in the world in this miracle of speaking and hearing so that salvation in the name of Jesus, the only name given under heaven by which we must be saved, might be spoken to a world which desperately needs it. That's what God is doing. For the glory of Jesus Christ, amen.